Eddie Pepitone, also known as the Bitter Buddha, is a cult favorite on the L.A. comedy scene. He is a regular at the Comedy Store on the Sunset Strip, a frequent visitor on Mark Mayron's WTF. Eddie also has his own Netflix special, In Ruins. I like to think of him as George Carlin in the middle of a panic attack. Thanks for checking us out. Uh, I'm super happy to have Eddie Pepitone here on the DOTJ Drinking on the Job podcast. Um, out in LA, it took it on the took it on the road, and I've been talking to Eddie for a long time about you need to sit down and talk to me. Hey, buddy. Hey, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. This is so cool. By the way, those of you who don't know, we're in a Best Western uh, motel. Nothing but the best for John, and it is an incredible room. <laughs> Uh, two beds. We sleep side by side. We're doing the podcast on the beds. He's on his bed. I'm on my bed. It's like it's almost like that train, uh, planes, trains, and automobiles. Scene, John Candy and Steve Martin. Those but are hey, John, pillows. good Eddie. to see you in L.A. You already yeah. look, uh, you know, more pretentious. Thank you. <laughs> I feel good. My abs are tighter ah. already. Uh, thanks, Eddie. It's uh, it's cool to be here. Yeah, we are in the Best Western. This is a uh, if you ever need to shoot a snuff film. <laughs> this is this is where you want to do it from. I think we're in the Bob Crane suite. Uh, so uh, if you hear, he got snuffed. Yeah, he did. That was a crazy, right? Uh, so um, let's uh, let's talk. So normally on drinking on the job, we uh, drink a bottle of wine or or some spirits or all things fermented. So Eddie doesn't drink uh, alcohol. He's uh, I think it's because he's weak. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have that debate with myself because. Um, you know, I stopped drinking right. uh, because I got completely sober. I was a big pothead. Yeah. I wasn't that bad a drinker. That's what I, I, I remember. Yeah. I totally remember that uh, you didn't drink much, and it was the weed that used to give you the anxiety attacks. <laughs> right? Yes. Right? Yes. Just... By the way, I'm on Zoloft now for anxiety, and I just want to say a great commercial for Zoloft would be this. Hi. Are you having anxiety attacks and you can't smoke marijuana anymore? <laughs> Well, if you go on 200 milligrams of Zoloft a day, you'll be able to smoke pot again. Oh, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, if, I personally, if I was an AA sponsor, I'd be the worst because my, somebody, somebody would call me up and go, you know, I, really, I really feel like I, I need to have a drink. And I would go, yeah, what the fuck? I'll, I'll join you. Life is fucking hell. Let's go have a beer. I'd be the worst. Life yeah. is yeah. hell. I love it's, that. It's hell. So, Eddie... Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, you've done a Netflix special. Uh, I have. Yeah. Um, so tell us, tell what, what was that like? I mean, that's just. Uh, I mean, you've been working as long as we've known each other. You've been working at this as hard as anyone is, and you're just uh, you're you're getting it right. Uh, so well, tell us what that was like. Uh, the Netflix special was awesome for me. The Netflix special, which is called In Ruins, and it ran for four years on Netflix, and it's not on Netflix anymore. It's on Amazon Prime now. And like some weird network like Stars, um, you know. So anyway, the Netflix special was for me like a culmination of all the stand-up I had done, and it was very exciting. I, I, um, it was like a run of four years right. that were great for me. I had a documentary made about me. We toured the Bitter Buddha, the Bitter Buddha right. documentary made about me, and uh, we toured. Me and the director toured around, fucking. You know, that was wild because a documentary about me is... I, I We would go to different cities like Seattle, wherever, New York, Portland, um, blah, blah. And uh, I couldn't watch it. 
I watched it a couple of times, once in Chicago, right. but it was wild to go around to places in a documentary about me, and people would ask me questions. And then I got the Netflix special kind of a couple of years after that. Right. And I did the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, and I've been recovering from those four years to last four years. I just was real super traveling and busy, and it was great. And the Netflix special specifically was a culmination of all my stand-up, and it was kind of like a best of. Um, was that uh, is that the hat joke I, that you have the hat I on? Because I'm a hat guy. I always wear my hat, you and you're like, I love wearing a hat because you wear a hat. You're just happy. You toss your hat. You hey, life is great. And he goes, nobody ever takes the hat off and goes, hey, I got cancer. Yeah, when you <laughs> when you throw a hat, yeah, you know, if you ever right. see a hat being thrown in the movies, especially the old movies, they're always saying something like, baby, I got a raise. You never see someone throwing a hat, going, baby, I got blood in my urine. <laughs> You know, so it always has to be something nice. Oh, baby, I fucked your sister. Well, that could go either way. Yeah, that's that's true. So. Yeah, but so anyway, yeah, the Netflix special was so cool because I just um, it was like so it was so great to get that kind of validation, and I've been trying to get another one right. now, and it's so competitive. And from your one man show that you've been touring it with. Now in L.A., right? No, 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 no. The one-man show, I was doing a one-man show called End of Days, and uh, it's about the apo- life in L.A. after the apocalypse. And just to give you a little flavor of that show, uh, one of the sketches about is about me auditioning after an apocalypse, and they're just seeing me. It's between me and a charred corpse, and they decide to go with the charred corpse. <laughs> And the whole audition, I'm just asking the auditioner, the guy auditioning me, who's just a voice in the black, right. uh, ask, and I'm just asking him for food. <laughs> and I have to do the cereal commercial. <laughs> and, and so you're like, so wait a minute, the charred corpse, he, he had a headshot? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They just tell me, oh, it looks like we're going to go in the direction of the charred corpse. Corpse. But uh, Eddie, uh, I do have something uh, in the Forbidden Zone. Do you mind going to the Forbidden Zone? And I'm like, no, I think I have family in the Forbidden Zone. He has a, he has a film for me. So we had a funny moment. Uh, we do a uh, drinking on the job live show, DOTJ Live, once a month. And mm-hmm. one of our partners in crime with our comedy group back in the day. Blue collar guys. Yeah, the blue collar guys. Before right. the, the guys who really got famous, Jeff Foxworthy oh, right. and Larry, the cable guy. Yeah, the cable guy, right. Yeah, yeah. all those hicks. And uh, so... Uh, one of our partners, Pete Rose, is in the show, and I uh, talked about uh, the blue collar guys, and uh, and I talked about the bit, the Make a Wish Foundation. Oh and, my uh, god! So we used to have this sketch, oh my and god. I introduced it. I'm going to give you the opening line. I'll let you take it from here. And I used to come out, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Make a Wish Foundation. And I have to tell you, if this kid has as much talent as he does cancer, you are in for a treat. And then Eddie would come out. <laughs> I would come out just going. And I would be pushing an IV. I'd be the kid because my last dying wish was that I wanted to do stand-up comedy. That's the premise. And I would come out with an IV in like a hospital gown. And I'd be like, hi, ladies and germs. Like that was my voice, that pathetic. And I was just so pathetic. I had a little baseball cap on. And I'd be like, speaking of germs, how'd you get in here, sir? (laughs) I was, and the bit was that, well, not only the premise that 
I'm next, you know, I'm almost dying, but also I'm an insult comic. Like, that was the bit, that I was a mean kid. Right. You know, like, is that your wife, sir, or a communist plot to overthrow the government? I don't know if it would go today because of the political correctness that goes on. I have to tell you, you would just hear, from the stage, you would just hear wheezing and laughter. uh, Because Eddie in a gown, a hospital gown, pushing an ivy pole around. Uh, I'm sure at this point people are <laughs> shutting it off, and, but it was so damn funny. We had some. We are Carolines. We did some amazing. Uh, yeah, uh, I remember we did an Oscar show. You were part of an Oscar show, and you did a hilarious character where I believe you were given a Lifetime of Achievement Award, and you were a guy who I, I think you were like had a. Di- did you have the diaper on? Like I, I, you were shitting in your pants. <laughs> like you were so old. Like when it was a. Sp- it was a send-up of sometimes they give the, the awards to people who are too old to be on TV, you know? Kirk Douglas. Kirk Did Douglas. You, you saw that. You're like, oh. Yeah. You pull, you pull away and you're like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. It's like Kirk. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's good that he got it, but it's like but really. him out was just uh, yeah. kind of like the last Dick Clark days where you're just like, oh. <laughs> right. I mean, at a certain point, you should just be in your home. Mm-hmm. You know, not inflicting what you have on right. other people. Right. Um, I'm already at the age of 59, thinking of just staying home because you know I'm I'm an eyesore at this point, and <laughs> Douglas should have known that. The other thing I remember about Eddie is uh, Eddie loves to hear people laugh, like any comedian. And we'd be out in the middle of a sketch. If it wasn't going well, Eddie would look, start looking at us in our eyes, and the pants were going to come down. And Eddie would just drop his drawers in the middle of a sketch and be standing there in his, his dingy underwear. Ooh. And everyone would laugh hysterically. And But it was like being on the, on the, on the stage with a gunslinger. I'd look over and you start looking. you start reaching for the belt like you're going to pull a gun. And I'm, and I'm doing the, 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 yeah, the shake off like, no, Eddie, please. Yeah. please well, I have, pants on. I have, the, I have the, the comedian disease of needing to get laughs so bad right. that I've stayed in it my whole fucking life. Plan B for me is suicide. <laughs> I'm not teaching. <laughs> but I uh, also remember, like, we used to joke, like, uh, when this shit didn't work out, like, we used to go, hey man, shit, I got a little black vest. I can go work at the diner. I can do specials. I can I can uh, knock out a meatloaf special like the next guy. Yeah. I don't need this shit. You waited tables too, didn't I you? I waited tables, yeah. I forget. Uh, we, yeah. Nice restaurants? Yeah. Yeah, I forget because me and Peter, uh, the aforementioned Peter Rose, who was part of the Blue Collar Guys uh, sketch group, uh, he got me into some jobs, and I would invariably get fired because I, um, I like, I would come in like in nice restaurants. I would come in with stained shirts, like (laughs) wine stains. I was drinking back then. You know, I would. What I would do with the wine, segueing into the wine talk, is. You know, they educated us a little. Do you go into restaurants and talk to waiters, I by do. the way? I do. And uh, hold classes sometimes and, yeah, talk to a group of people. That must be fun for you. Uh, or is. is it not? No, you know, it, it is. I will, uh, you know, I have to poke fun at it. I just can't help but not find a punchline in all of it, so. Uh, what do you think of today's crop of waiters? I think that there is such a shortage uh, because is there? Uh, you can't make the money like you used to. Back in the day when you're getting cash every night, two fifty. Oh, I night. was just stealing yeah. money. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
just give us a quick like uh, rundown of what you what you've been on because you've been on like King of Queens, Conan, Kimmel. Yeah, um, I was a regular on Conan in right. both New York and L.A. for a while. He stopped using me about three years ago. Um, but I would heckle him from the audience, and it was so much fun. I did that for many years, and it was great. There, there was a, there, there's a writer on Conan who now writes for Colbert. His name is Brian Stack, and he's a brilliant fucking writer. And he would write my sketches. And once he went to Colbert, I kind of, I it kind of died, you know, um, my character. But I would I would like just yell at Conan. I've been on so many shows. I've been on Weeds. Yeah. Uh, and that was a wild that was a wild one where I had to be I was a guy they put what they call a jewel bag on me I was completely naked <laughs> and I was tied the scene was I had been left on a bed handcuffed to the bed and this prostitute was like teaching me a lesson like she had pissed on me and then the main character who's the main character on Weeds did you ever Is watch Kevin that show Nealon well Nealon was on it but I didn't work with Nealon I work with Nealon now stand up yeah. uh, because I work out of the comedy store in LA and everybody goes there He's, that's still like the benchmark place and Nealon is so funny yeah is he really yeah I haven't seen him in such a long time he's gotten better yeah like Nealon is an amazingly funny dude um wish I could say the same for Judd Apatow but uh <laughs> I don't even understand what he's doing like like he well he just wants to say that he's a stand yeah. That's yeah, I think really so. It, right? He did a great documentary though about Gary Shanley. They were tight. Did you see that I documentary on HBO? It was brilliant. Yeah. It was if really you get a chance, to, yeah. If you get a chance to see the Gary Shanley documentary, uh, but let's see. I was a regular on Sarah Silverman's Comedy Central show. I'm a regular right now on an Adult Swim show called Your Pretty Face Is Going to Hell, which is a nuts show. Yeah. That we film in Atlanta, uh, created by Dave Willis and Chris. Uh, Chris Brown and uh, it's it's a nutshow that takes place in hell and uh, it's like it's like it's like Satan who's played by a guy who, named Matt uh, Cerrito uh, Matt uh, was a regular on Sopranos just a great actor Banshee right. the show Banshee and he plays Satan and uh, it, it, I'm a tortured soul it was fucking typecasting for me Dave wrote the part for me wow. and the and the rest of the people are demons who get tortured in hell like we're we're, we're we had fucked up lives and we get tortured in hell so are you doing your bits separately or are there, are there six of you lined up at mics in a sound studio Oh no, it's uh, it's live action. Oh, it's, it's not vo- it's not VO work. Yeah, oh, okay. VO work. I've done Bob's Burgers like six, seven, eight times, right. and damn it, I was so close to being a regular. That would have set me. I, right. I wouldn't even be here with you now. <laughs> I would be in the snuff room. <laughs> uh, but Bob's Burgers, I've done Life and Times of Tim on HBO. Um, I did a show called Your Crazy Ex Girlfriend. Huh. Do you know that show? I don't. Uh, with Rachel Bloom and that that was a cool show so I've done a lot of shit yeah no you know what's crazy mm-hmm. is the pudding strip have that, you I, I, I followed it how many follows were on that thing now pudding strip right if you have written seen it, by YouTube. Matt Oswalt yeah. who's Patton Oswalt's brother right. and Matt uh, has become like a pretty sought after writer uh, we pitched that show to all these networks like Adult Swim I think Comedy Central a couple of others and nobody bought it and it's a, and it's and it's I think because Matt was so uncompromisingly insane right. that they were like oh, this material I, the material if you've watched them they're so sure. anti-PC they're so crazy 
And I love, I, I love, you love that stuff. You sink your teeth into that shit. Well, my wife doesn't like it because some of it's so rude and so. Um, Give us an example oh, of like God. all the ones that you think. Well, oh, man. oh God, there's this is so yeah. fucking many of them. But I and we had the greatest guest stars, Robin Williams. Yeah. Did you ever see any of these? I did. I was going to ask you about Robin Williams. Yeah, I got to say, my I got to know Robin. Um, I guess it was it, it was two years before he committed suicide. I think it was about two years, and he was such a gentle guy right. and so yeah. sweet, and he was so professional. I mean, this was just a little web series. We were paying people nothing. It was just favors, you know. Sure. And Robin came in and did these episodes, and uh, he was like by far, you know. Well, all of our guests were great. We had David Koechner, Dana Gould, Pat Oswalt, Michael McKeon. Wow. Who was insanely funny. And uh, anyway, but Robin was like so professional. He knew all his fucking lines. I never knew my lines. <laughs> I never knew my lines. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I loved watching that. So you don't mm. do that anymore. But still, no, man, no, no. We tried to sell it. Right. We did it for years. Yeah, didn't get paid. Right. I can't believe it didn't take off. So, like, um, but you know that's the kind of work I tend to do. Like I, I don't do very commercial work. Yeah, I mean it was because I'm an idiot. Cult falling. You don't need the money, Eddie. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. I really do. <laughs> but that was that was awesome, and mm-hmm. I mean you just continued to seem like to plug at it and just to continue to work, though. I mean you're. I have no choice. I, yeah. <laughs> Boy, I you continue to plug at it, and I don't know why you're not dead yet. So are you working? You you did a one man show. Is the idea to pitch that to Netflix? You know, no. What's your agent doing? My agent. Yeah, you want me to call well, him right he now? Well, he sends me. A, <laughs> I have an agent. I have a new manager. I like her a lot with a with a company called Throughline. But um, uh, my agent, you know, they, the agency sends me out, you know, on auditions for TV and sometimes film, rarely film. Um, but yeah, I mean, my bread and butter is kind of. Uh, doing stand-up because I, that's what I that, you know I'm an actor but I have just kind of devoted myself to doing stand-up the one-man show like I told you about I was I did it here a bunch of times and now I'm thinking about now I'm thinking about what to do with it I had an offer uh, from a guy in New York who said you know we could put it up here so I'm thinking about coming back to New York well and putting it up that, that would be great so I can't it? wait to leave LA I, 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 I've been here I think 18 16, 17 fucking years. What's crazy is you're from Staten Island. You're Brooklyn f- and then Staten Island. Staten Island. Mm-hmm. I think of you as a fish out of water here, yeah. but you're a fish out of water in life. <laughs> in general. Why, thank you. But, but, <laughs> I, mean, I knew you, you. You drank, you smoked weed, you ate meat. You're vegetarian now. You I'm don't vegan. Drink. You're vegan. Not even vegetarian, dude. I have cha- I'm a sober vegan, which is insane. I mean, that's so antithetical to, like, how I lived. And it's difficult. And now my big vice is food. Like, I, like with veganism, I still eat, I manage to eat poorly. <laughs> Which is a great accomplishment. I managed to eat too much carbs. But then you, and you also didn't drive when I knew you. So, like, you're out here, you're vegan, you drive, you sit in traffic. Drive? I'm fucking mad. mad. <laughs> you know, the L.A. traffic is insane. 
Coming yes. over here, I just wanted to kill ten people. Right. And it's hilarious. That's how it is. You drive, if it's a drive like I come from the valley to here where we are in Koreatown. And, uh, like, about ten times I was like, you motherfucker, right. you know, to cars. And then when you park, you're like, okay, let's go. <laughs> it's like it's forgotten, but it's crazy out here. That's like the Carlin... Yeah, thing of like anyone who's driving slow, then you're like, look at this fucking idiot. Then somebody drives past Patchy Love. What an asshole that guy! Sick. Is. Boy, that is so. <laughs> I never heard Carlin do that. Yeah. That is absolutely true. Could you imagine if Carlin was alive today in our political climate? I think how about great that, would like, that oh, be? He would just or Bill destroy. Hicks? Oh, Bill Hicks destroy. Yeah, where are the Carlin's Hicks now? Well, Marin is close. Yeah, Marin's close. But Marin's good. Um. Yeah, a lot of comics don't push it, and uh, I mean, well, it's scary. We were talking about it a little. It's become like, um, oh, you can't say this and you can't say that. Now I understand a bunch of it, and I and I'm a comedian. Like I take great care not to fucking be an asshole. That's basically what it comes down Mm to. But um, you know, I, I just feel like you know the climate is is very uh, restrictive, a little oppressive, like people looking to uh, hurt people, like people looking to like jump on a comedian or anybody who says anything wrong. And some people deserve it, but... Right. Yeah, you know, I I tell you, I I have this argument with my wife all the time, Gail, and uh, Mm -hmm. that if you're offended, you leave the room. If you're offended, you walk out of the movie. If you're offended, you turn off the radio. I don't get... I mean, unless you're personally attacking somebody, we, and we know the difference between someone who's being mm-hmm. a comic who's pushing the envelope and being edgy, and someone who's just being like yeah, uh, someone violent just, and just attacking somebody. We right. Well, not only attacking somebody, but people like I watch so many comics because I right. because I'm, I'm I'm a comedian. I'm a rare comedian in the sense that I like to watch a lot of other comedians, a right. lot of comics. They just, they just don't watch other comics. Like, right. they just want to do their set and get the fuck out. But I like... Like, if I'm I'm there early at the clubs, I love to see what people are doing. And some people... Well, most... I would say... I think, yeah, definitely most comedians are... You know, as my friend Andy Kindler said, there should be a licensing board for comics. <laughs> there are a, lot of, a lot of them aren't very good. And, and when they start in on a sensitive issue, they don't have the intelligence to navigate it. Right. You know yeah, what I mean? it is particularly now it's uh, more sensitive than ever, yeah. And you go there just basically because you know, you know, you could steal a bunch of material too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got to watch that because the real because what happens is when somebody, you know, uh hits a really good premise, yeah. And it's really funny. You're like, "Fuck, why didn't I think of that?" And it's also the way I think, like when comics, you know, like when a good comic hits a, hits a great premise, it's like, oh, that's exactly what I was thinking. But then you can't do the joke yeah. because it's there, theirs. I remember when I, I so I just started doing again with the live shows, and I remember when I was performing, and uh, and we would be sitting. One of the funniest uh, times is I was at the Laugh Factory, and uh, Paulie Shore was a regular guest at the. Laugh Factory because his mom was Mitzi Shore who ran the comedy store. Yeah, I see Paulie now. Yeah. So we would all line up and to do. Uh, so basically, you, you you get a number and you you wait and you go on. And Paulie would just come in. Are you talking about Laugh Factory or Comedy Store? The Laugh Factory okay. on Sunset. So okay. Paulie had carte blanche there, and he still would get to perform at the at the uh, at the Comedy Store. So uh, Paulie would come in and do his shit. And we, so if we were going, yeah. if I was going up third, I'd be bumped, and he would do 
way longer than any comic was supposed to do. And he had the same exact material, and it was god awful. It was that was back in the hey, this is the weasel, dude. Oh. I'm the weasel, dude. That, he's like, still doing that. It is so. He's like, still doing they, that. It was just like his his funniest joke, and it's mm-hmm. I, I mean, and it fell flat every time. It was like, dude, I'm the rebel without a condo. Oh. Crickets, you know, like, okay, yeah. so, so, uh, it was the usual group of us that would go up, and there was this, mm-hmm. uh, security guard, uh, mm-hmm. named Tim, who was, we were all in our 20s, he was probably 50, and, uh, he was a security guard who'd show up and do his shit, and he was horrible, he was so dead. Oh, really? It's like he was this close to killing himself, it was just like, yeah. people clap or he's gonna kill himself, so, um, oh. so he, he comes, he gets up one night, and he does Pauly Shore's bit, 100%, the weasel, but delivered from a 50-year-old security guard. No. Yeah, yeah. And that in itself sounds like a see, joke. Oh, uh, so, yeah. So like we, he was so, consciously making oh, the, a the joke. Oh, the comics were in the back of all of us, and we were just doubled over, crying, wheezing. Yeah. Because he's just like, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm the weasel. <laughs> and it was so sad that it was fucking hilarious and then we we oh. had we had even more pleasure because Polly shows up 10 minutes later and does the same exact routine <laughs> that everybody just listened to and and everyone is crying laughing and he thinks he's killing it so there's my well what's hilarious about that too is that I'm the weasel is such a specific reference to when Paulie <laughs> did something I don't even know yeah. because I was too bright to watch a Paulie Shore film yeah uh, but oh, so it's funny that the security guard picked that bat that has nothing to do with I, him or right because we were so pissed off that he used to bump us all that's really what it was he was oh. like oh fuck it I'm gonna do his act oh that's funny that is <laughs> Which, funny yeah, that's, uh, you that gotta was, love him for that that was his opus and I actually got banned like the guy there was a guy named Falstaff who was the MC. And one of my first times there, I was told, and he was a pretty new MC, an older guy, and uh, you, you write your, your little intro yourself, and he would go through and decide the, the order. So I jokingly put, uh, you probably recognize this guy as a regular from Hill Street Blues, and I, <laughs> this was my intro. <laughs> and I listened to a bunch of other TV series, thinking he would think this is total bullshit, this is very funny, and instead, he gets up and he reads it like a real script. Hey, you may recognize this guy from Hill Street Blues and other assorted comedy shows. Ladies and gentlemen, John Coyle. So I get up, I'm like, oh, shit. I get up, I do okay. Yeah. But then, of course, people tell him, like, you're fucking crazy. That kid's not in that shit. So he wouldn't, didn't go there for a while. Oh, really? <laughs> he got pissed? Yeah, he was Asshole. more than pissed. I played him and I was like, yeah, fuck it. Yeah, yeah. God, I remember doing open mics in New York. Oh. Like that level. And uh, just like, you know, you're talking about the sad security guard. It was just, it was more like therapy than stand-up. You know, and I kind of just found it fascinating, Mm. you know, just to watch that stuff, you know. It it was like watching a train wreck, though. People would get up and talk about the weirdest shit, thinking it was funny. Because the idea of pushing the envelope uh, is, you know, like, you easily you talk about like brilliant comics can talk about like hey there's really nothing funny about pedophiles there's nothing funny about incest but then they turn into something rip roaring funny you take a hack and they 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 make you go oh my god and then they they never dig themselves out of that hole and you're like yeah this person is he needs a hug uh yeah and uh, some therapy right yeah man I have an idea for a special. I don't know if it'll fly, but my idea for a special, check this out. Tell me if you think this is a good idea. I'm going to do it on the air. Nobody better steal it, but I don't even know if it's a good idea, but I think it is where I have a packed house, you know, pretty big theater to film the special in, 
and I and the the audience will be in on it, right? Right. But and I and I start off good, and I'll be doing my material, but then I hit a point. I would say it would be maybe ten minutes in. I think I would cat catch her. I would be really funny for the first ten minutes, and then ten minutes in, I start to have problems, and I'm starting to bomb, and it eventually. It, the bomb becomes so bad that I, at the end of it, I kill myself in front of the audience. And it becomes right. like a dark, dark, like the real. I I know that sounded jarring, but it would be that journey to like killing myself that could be really funny. I, what do you think of that? I, I, I ah. It sounds like you don't. You don't I'm think not. A good idea. <laughs> mm. I'm not really with you. On Boy, the uh, wine business has made you soft. <laughs> anyway, what do you think of the kombucha? So we're yes. drinking something fermented. It's a probiotic. I'm not going to mention the brand because I think I'm going to get my own brand on the market. I'm going to call it DOTJ Kombucha. Something I got to whore it out. I got to make some money. I love kombucha. I think it's like it. Well, it is probiotic. Probiotic. It's fantastic for mm-hmm. your belly. Um, and uh, I was surprised you didn't see it. And I was trying to find it here, and we're, and we're in a kind of dodgy neighborhood. And I was just laughing to myself because I'm going in. And you know you're in a bad neighborhood. You know, fast food stores, the, the smell of urine just assaulting your nostrils. Well, that's me. I'm sorry. I... <laughs> the diaper leak? <laughs> the diaper leak. But and then going into stores going, I'm sorry, you don't have kombucha, do you? They're like, what? I'm like, But well, where'd right. you find it then? I finally found it, believe it or not, at 7-Eleven. Ah, uh-huh, they had a 7-Eleven. I found yeah. it was 7-Eleven. The good folks at 7-Eleven. Right. Uh, where you could get a hot dog for 30 cents ooh. and hopefully not get shot. Right. <laughs> I've known you a very long time, and I think we had this discussion on the phone. I called you after I saw your Netflix special. Yeah. And I loved your comfort level on stage. Because oh. I'm used to you running to the joke because you're very funny, and your premises... Like, do the tweet things. Your thing you used to do about your... These are my tweets. Yeah, well, I mean, some of those were just. Right. Yeah, I would hold up. Uh, I would. I would come on stage <laughs> with like a huge folder of papers, mm-hmm. and I would hold them up, and they would, you know, I would look like a madman because it was like crumpled papers and shit. And I would hold them up, and I would go, "These are my tweets. I don't tweet on the phone. I write them longhand. I'm old school. <laughs> would you like to hear a tweet?" The audience is like, yeah. And I'm like, all right, uh, what do I say? Oh, yeah, this one got a thousand retweets. And uh, I say, uh, and folks, there's nothing like a retweet, is there? Nothing like a retweet. <laughs> I mean, you could be having the worst day in the world. You know, let's say you just got diagnosed, they found something in your ass. And then you look down at your phone and you've been retweeted 5,000 times and you're like, maybe this thing will go in remission. <laughs> so anyway, I think you're going to love this. Uh, here it comes. And here is the tweet. Why? And then I would, I would just yell, why? And then I would take the paper and crumple it up and I would go, you got to keep them short, folks. Brevity, brevity is the soul of wit. You know, what was the like Civil that. War one? There was something like retweet from the Civil War. We had Twitter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I was doing a thing uh, of uh, like they sawed off my they sawed off my leg today, but I was given great vodka. Smiley face, like just doing a tweet with a smiley face, <laughs> shit like that. 
My biggest tweet that I I have and that fans have like one fan one, one of my fans made a throw pillow out of it. It goes, um, the only thing stopping me today is genetics, <laughs> lack of income, historical historical context, place where I was born. <laughs> Who my parents were, and lethargy. Like just making. <laughs> That's a throw pillow. She made a throw pillow out of it. That's a quilt. That's a quilt. That's a quilt. Yeah. Oh man, that's uh, that's that's fucking hilarious. Yeah, but man, as far as comfort level on stage, yeah. I mean, that is just something that you know you fucking build up. Mm-hmm. You know. At, it takes a long time to get comfortable on stage and I still before I go up at the comedy store it's always packed at the comedy store and I'm watching you know I I, I perform with the best comedians now like you know Jeffrey Ross will be introing me or uh, Neilan or just all these really great comics and I'll be watching them kill from backstage and I'll be not backstage but in the comedy store you're, you're in the back of the audience and just I'm like fuck like I still freak out sure but then when I then once I get up there I, you know something at this point just clicks in and I'm like here we go and like yeah. it's like survival you know so, so you see Kevin Nealon killing it all the time yeah uh, Jeffrey Ross is just drop dead hilarious uh, New York comedian used to play down at uh, Surf Reality did Ross do uh, Surf Reality? Surf Reality. He used to just come out and do uh, poems about his girlfriend back yeah. in the day. The man. Very funny. Oh, he used to do poems yeah. about his girlfriend. Yeah, his girlfriend. That was his shtick. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Now this roast battle stuff is an industry. Yeah. You know what I mean? Who is, so who are the other comics like big time that still stop in and just do sets to... Chappelle. Oh, at the comedy store, we, we get the big... Uh, yeah. They get the biggest over there. Dave Chappelle drops by and does spots. Norm MacDonald... Uh, comes by uh, just huge stars, you know Martin Lawrence. Yeah. Um, oh, wow, I haven't seen Martin Lawrence. I know, before. I know, I know. Uh, Is he? He's, he must be pretty funny. Yeah, he's a funny yeah. guy. Um, I love Norm Macdonald. He's like the comedian's comedian, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I've become well, not real good buddies, but like yeah. I've worked with Spade, David Spade. He's very one funny. time, and, and you know, at the comedy store, there isn't an MC. Like each comic brings on the next comic so right. I was doing the main room there there's the main room the original room and the belly room I was doing the main room one night and I had to bring on Spade and so I said ladies and gentlemen this next guy you know I don't really think he needs an introduction he's a big celebrity please welcome David Spade and as he's walking by me he goes you really didn't know any of my credits <laughs> <laughs> he was fucking with me but right. I think it was also like a, a little Point the jab. Yeah, he is. He's uh, a nice dude, though. Yeah. So who's yeah. the who's the top three funniest comedians right now? Uh top three funniest. Top three. Um, hmm. I would say it's something like Chappelle. Yep. Um. Oh, the guy that everybody talks about, Bill Burr. Bill Burr's whole uh, Bill yeah. Burr, yeah. Dave Chappelle, and then. You know, the third, you could just name a bunch. Patton Oswalt, Maria Bamford, Dana Gould. There's Dana so Gould. many. David Tell used to be Oh, Tell is great. I mean, I, yeah. you see, that he's, he's such a New York guy. And, yeah. 
you know, it's amazing that I haven't seen Attell a lot, but but he is a comics comic too because comedians love him. Yeah, I, I one of his uh, great lines says, uh, which probably wouldn't play too well right now is. Uh, he says, uh, you know, he's, he walks into a bar, sees a woman sitting at the end of the bar, and she has a black eye, and he goes, oh, great, she's seen somebody. <laughs> I don't think that plays so well right now. Uh, did you, you heard about Louis C.K. Um, in New York hitting the stage? Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, down at the Comedy Cellar, and went on. And, yeah. Uh, uh, and, yeah, and he the, was the, criticized the, a lot for that. Yeah. Club caught major shit the next Did day. Did they? Yeah. I wonder what. Yeah, and I was kind of thinking that Louis didn't do that right. Like, you know, he needed to do some kind of like, um, you know, talk about what he went through, talk about what's happening. He didn't acknowledge it. That's and, the biggest. Part. And 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 there was a Hollywood Reporter woman who just skewered him and basically he did a joke about a rape whistle and she was so fucking furious that he would do that or whatever I, so I, I, think I, I you know I think he did it the wrong way he did I don't know who the fuck advises him but my feeling was like two, you broke two golden rules one I, I, there's there's so much comedy there to start with an apology that's funny and he, there's comedy golder that he did not mind strike one Strike two, you can't expect people to have total amnesia and go, hey, yeah, no big deal, don't bring it up, and just go and then do a rape whistle joke. What's amazing is that I heard a tape of it, and um, the audience was just loving it. And, you know, they were star-fucking, they didn't, you know, I guess some people weren't into it, but it just sounded like the audience was like, oh, Louie, you know what I mean, which surprised me. I mean, before all this shit happened, I thought he was one of the funniest. Yeah, the yeah, party. obviously, I obviously he he was and is. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of really good comedians, and it's so funny that Neil Brennan I work with a lot. He co-created the Chappelle Show, and he's a really funny stand-up. Right. Eric Griffin is a really funny stand-up. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen him in a long time. An up-and-comer that's really funny is a fucking Iranian kid named Amir K, and he's just like he was raised here, but he's funny as fuck. I just wish, you know, I have a certain kind of comic that I love. I don't know. It's crazy to walk down the halls in uh, the comedy store and see pictures of Shanling and Gabe Cotter and Robin Williams and Eddie Murphy. My favorite, Richard Pryor, worked out there all the time. And I was was told uh, by a really funny comedian named Eleanor Kerrigan who works there that Pryor, at his last... His last uh, few years in life he used to come to the comedy store in a wheelchair mm-hmm. and perform in the wheelchair, and so many people would just crawl into the room. He only worked in the original room, the smaller of the rooms at the end of his uh, life, and he he would just get up there and people would cram into the fucking. And, and was he still just? I heard him, and she yeah. said he was still really funny. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I mean, another tragic comedian, Bill Cosby, was still could pack it and. Uh, prior to all this boy what a case he is though I mean you know because Cosby always was like this uh, guy who was like you know speaking very eloquently about literacy and you know uplifting the black community and all of that stuff and then meanwhile he's he's dumping roofies and you know (laughs) well his line pull your pants up what his line to you know young black males pull your pants up yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. At the same time, he's pulling somebody's pants down. Yeah, yeah. Boy, boy, I'll tell you, man, it really is something about uh, just like when really famous people, you know, 
go down like like that right. like Cosby anyway you know it's like it's like it's like a two like it's like a mask they wear like on one hand they're the you know speaking up for these great causes and then their private lives are bizarre you yeah. know no I, I know it's crazy um, you know what's funny now I think of one of the uh, blue collar guy sketches too that was way ahead of its time was the karaoke for healthcare oh Did yeah you remember that yes I do <laughs> so yeah. tell to re- I wrote that one yeah. I uh a karaoke for healthcare is, uh, yeah, 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 was about uh, a guy having a tumor on his head, and I would come out in a big bandage. Did you do it too? Sometimes? I don't think I did. I thought it. you I did was... the guy too sometimes, but anyway, I would come out with, I would put a tennis ball on my head and wrap it in gauze, and uh, I didn't have any healthcare, right. and um, I was trying to raise money for myself doing karaoke. <laughs> I, I, I thought the premise was too like if you won the karaoke competition, yeah, you got like healthcare. Yeah, oh, that's right. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, what yeah. a fucking mess healthcare is. Uh, I saw your recent rant on water uh, and meat. Uh, oh yeah. I mean, you do all these like. So what do you what do you do with those? Uh, what are those about? I mean, they're public service announcements. Well, yeah, I did that one um, because this. Uh, this kid, uh, you know, he also is a vegan, and he had some great facts about, you know, just... One thing that's amazing to me about the meat industry, not only is it fucking brutal to animals, right? Like, right. just the factory farming and, sure. you know, in Like, the pig farms in North Carolina, I don't know if you heard wow. about this. sure. But not only they are totally inhumane to to these animals, right? But now they're dealing with all you know, the waste, the waste that got flooded. But what nobody talks about, and this always, fucking, it, it just it just always makes me crazy. Is methane gas that is produced by cows and pigs and and all these animals that are in these tremendously large areas, and they. It is the biggest cause of global warming. Nobody fucking talks about that. Right. It is the biggest cause of global warming, that methane. And nobody talks about it. And we're, this civilization, the fucking life on the earth, scientists are saying 2100, maybe. I mean, did you ever think we'd live in a, in a day where science doesn't mean anything? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We live in such a scary, weird fucking time where America particularly is really falling apart and if our currency does you know if our currency gets replaced as the number one currency what I have heard is that we will become a very scary place to live it's it's there now I mean, and the way I'll survive it'll become like a Mad Max scenario I'll be like strapped to a car naked telling jokes <laughs> hey boss <laughs> like just some huge guy you know, who's like the leader and he's like, make me laugh. And I'll be like, hey, okay, so this guy, his whole life, he was the go-to guy for knowledge. And then Siri came. And like, I start doing your joke just to save myself. <laughs> jokes to go. <laughs> jokes to go. Eddie Pepitone, jokes to go. Mm. Anyway, Eddie, I want to say thank you for being honest. Thanks for taking the time. Eddie and I are going to go out and have a vegan meal at maybe one of his favorite places. And... Uh, I'm hoping he comes back to New York to do a live show. I'd love to. Uh, in October, November, December. You do uh, it once a month? 
once a month, fourth Tuesday at the Sidewalk Cafe. Okay, cool. And, uh, I used to see Rick Shapiro perform oh, out of there. Loved Rick Shapiro. And Rick is such an underrated yeah. comedian. He's, I think he's... He's unbelievable. Health issues right now. He's what? He's got health issues right now. Yes. He's off the, off the circuit, so... Yeah. Hopefully, uh, yeah, good health to him. But yeah. Eddie, thanks. Uh, thanks, so, John. so great to see you. It's great to be here, and um, so we're in the Best Western, so do I take my clothes off first, or how does this work? <laughs> yeah, you take your shorts off first. And uh... and if you're going to oil me up, I do not <laughs> use palm oil because of all the destruction of different habitats that palm oil has been... I, 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 do, I do have grapeseed oil. I oh, good, 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 good. I use grapeseed. Uh, all right, Eddie, I wish we, we have to, uh, I wish we sang a song to sign off. Ha! And, uh, but uh, let's we'll toss our hats. Hey, honey, I got <laughs> eyes. <laughs> Thanks a lot, All right. Eddie. Thanks, John. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to check us out at dotjpodcast.com. Until then, I'll see you at the bar.